so uh, again, thank you to Braille. You guys are so highly organized, and this is a wonderful event. Um, so we're going to talk about macular degeneration. I hope that I educate you about this disease, but more importantly, I hope that you go out and also educate your friends and your family about these and the things that, uh, that we can do to help improve the vision. So uh, some of the work that I'm going to talk about is funded by the California Institute of Regenerative Medicine, um, which has provided grant support to USC to help fight uh, uh, the vision loss and to develop cures and treatments for some of the vision loss associated with age-related macular degeneration. So I know this slide is kind of small, um, and I know that many of you or some of you can't see this, so I'll try to describe the slides as I'm going through. M macular degeneration is a degenerative condition. It, and degeneration means cells die um, uh, of the retina, which is one part of the eye. And what basically happens is that the light-sensing cells in the back of your eye, they're called photoreceptors, um, start to die. And also what happens is that the cells that support those light-sensing cells start to die. And it's called, there's many types of macular degeneration, but that's basically what we mean when we say macular degeneration. We know that this disease is caused by not just one thing, but many things, which is both good and bad. It's bad because it makes it tough to treat. There's multiple causes of it. But it's good in that there's multiple ways to help prevent it or slow it down. So, for example, in the slide, there's an illustration of the photoreceptor cells and the retinal pigment epithelial cells, which are the two cell types that I just mentioned to you that die as a result of this disease process. We know that one of the causes of this disease is the accumulation of toxic metabolites. Uh, in between these cells, which you can see on the slide as these kind of yellow-orange deposits. Uh, in addition to this, we know that part of the cause of this is a problem with a blood flow to these cells. There's a dysregulation of the blood flow. Uh, and in addition to that, there is a problem with the body's immune system in some ways because we know that inflammatory cells accumulate in these areas and cause damage to the surrounding cells. So there's multiple reasons why these photoreceptor cells and retinal pigment epithelial cells die in macular degeneration. So how do we diagnose this problem? Well, we basically, if you've been to your ophthalmologist, we diagnose any eye disease by looking in the back of the eye with special lenses, and we can actually see those toxic metabolites, which are these gold little dots on the, on the screen here, develop. The more of the gold little dots you have in the back of your eye, the more progressive your macular degeneration is. Ultimately, what happens is that those gold little dots either cause the retinal pigment epithelial cells or the photoreceptor cells to die. And you can see in this slide of the back of the eye here, there's a whole patch of area where there's no pigmented cells. And that's where those cells have died. And this is exactly where this person can no longer see using their eye. There's no cure for dry macular degeneration, which is the form I just described. But there is a, some vitamin-based therapies that help slow its progression. The other form of macular degeneration you may have heard about is called wet macular degeneration. And this is where the development of toxic metabolites and inflammatory factors in the back of the eye cause the body to develop abnormal blood vessels. 
those blood vessels then bleed into the back of the eye and they cause vision loss. And this is called the wet form or the neovascular form of macular degeneration. And for this, we actually have a treatment that is very good at preventing the progression of the disease and even reversing some of the vision loss. Um, and that's thanks in large part to a lot of work and research by NIH researchers and other research foundations um, for many decades. It takes a long time to develop these treatments. So two types of macular degeneration, dry and wet, we just talked about. 90% of people who have macular degeneration have the dry form. The good thing is that the dry form is very slowly progressive. You can have it for decades and not have any vision loss. The bad news is we don't have a cure for it, so it is slowly progressive. For the wet form of macular degeneration, the good news is that we have those treatments, um, but the bad news is that it can actually cause very severe and sudden vision loss over the span of a couple of days or even less than that. So how does a patient who has macular degeneration present? What are the symptoms that they have? Well, oftentimes they'll come into our clinic and they will complain of vision loss in the center of their vision. So wherever they're looking, they'll say, it's just hard for me to look at things. And the reason is, is because they see like the picture that you see on the, on the slide here. They're looking at something, but they just see a big blob right there. So it makes it hard for them to look at faces. It makes it hard for them to look at signs. Uh, it makes it hard for them to read. And in its more milder form, the patients complain about distortion. So for many of you who you've seen your doctor, uh, they've, they've told you, you know, take this grid and take it home and look at it every day and tell us if there's any distortion. The areas where you see distortion on the grids that your doctor shows you are the areas where those photoreceptor cells and RPE cells are starting to get damaged and starting to die. And so that gives us some warning about what's going on in your eye when you start seeing those kinds of distortions. And that's why we tell you to do it at home, because if you do it at home and you see that distortion change or new distortion, then you come in and we help evaluate what's going on. So I already mentioned that, that patients with macular degeneration have difficulty with recognizing faces, driving, and reading. And one of the other things, which is the earliest sign of macular degeneration, is that people sometimes have a little bit more difficulty than normal when they go into a dark room from a bright room. They have difficulty adapting to dark conditions. Now, everybody has difficulty adapting to dark conditions. I even have difficulty doing that. But it's, so it's not, not meant to you know, worry you, but it's one of those things where it's out of the ordinary. They, you know, they notice that when they go from a light room to a dark room, it takes them a very long time to get accommodated to that situation, or they just don't, or they're tripping a lot in a dark room, or those kinds of things. So, okay, these are the symptoms that patients, patients have with macular degeneration. This is the fundamental, I discussed the fundamental causes that we think uh, that might cause these photoreceptor cells and uh, RPE cells to die. Now let's talk about what are the things that uh, are associated with it that we can change and what are the things that we can't change. So if we understand the things that we can't change, we understand what risk group we're in. And if we understand the things that we can change, then we can help minimize our chances of developing the disease or at least causing it to progress. 
One of the things that is associated with age-related macular degeneration, unfortunately, is age. The older you are, the more likely it is that you develop it and that it advances. So about 10 to 12% of patients over the age of 80 have some form of macular degeneration. It doesn't mean they're losing vision. It just means they have some form of it. And it gets less and less as people get younger and younger. Uh, and this is growing as, as obviously our population is aging around the world. More and more people are developing macular degeneration. But there's nothing we can do about it. But if you know you're in the older group, then you know you're at higher risk for it. So it's important to get your annual eye exam or more frequent eye exams. Genetics. A lot of the questions I get in clinic are, is this genetic? Did I inherit this from somebody? And the truth is that there are some genetic components to macular degeneration. I mentioned, for example, that inflammatory proteins and factors can cause part of the macular degeneration process. Um, but we really don't have a good handle on it. There's not one gene that causes macular degeneration. Uh, and another frequently asked question is, well, can I do some kind of genetic test that will help me tell if I'm going to get this? And the answer to that is, at least the American Academy of Ophthalmology doesn't recommend any genetic testing for clinical use in macular degeneration. There are genetic tests out there, but we just don't know what to do with the results. And we don't know if the results are actually what we need either. So, um, so that's a caveat to, to take with any kind of genetic testing. You have to talk to a genetic counselor and a physician uh, if you're going to do any kind of genetic testing. But that being said, there's some common sense guidelines for if you have a higher risk from your genes. If your sister and your parents and your brother and you know who knows how many other people all have macular degeneration, if you have several people in your family who develop macular degeneration and they have vision loss from it, there's probably a genetic component in your family, right? You don't need a doctor to tell you that. Um, and so that's something that you should be aware of. If you have patients or, or family members who develop it very early, macular degeneration usually starts around the age of 60. So if you have family members who've had macular degeneration diagnosed at the age of 50, that's a sign that perhaps there's a genetic factor in your family. And of course, all of these things just mean that you need to have annual eye exams and to see your eye care provider so that they can help counsel you and actually tell you about your specific situation because there's obviously a lot of variation in this. Uh, one of the other non-modifiable risk factors is being Caucasian. It's one of the uh, biggest risk factors, and that's why it's one of the largest causes of vision loss in the Western world. Okay, so we talked about all the things we can't do about, anything about, but if you know you fall into those categories, even though you can't do anything about it, it tells you you're somebody who has to be more vigilant about getting your eye screening and getting your eye care and taking care of yourself. And now I'm going to tell you about some of the factors that you can change to help prevent the progression of the disease uh, and or, you know, hopefully even not even get it. The single biggest risk factor for developing macular degeneration is smoking. If you smoke, stop. Uh, if you have smoked and you stopped, that's very good because we know after several years of stopping, your risk starts to go down from developing macular degeneration or from having it progress. In general, anything you do that's good for your heart is good for your eyes. That's an easy way to think about it. If you decrease your cholesterol, 
if you decrease your blood pressure, if you have a good diet and you exercise, all the things that your primary care doctor tells you to do, those are good for your heart and those are good for your eyes and they decrease the risk of developing macular degeneration. A couple of other things you can do to decrease your risk of developing macular degeneration is modifying your diet. We know that increased diets with increased amounts of red meat tend to cause, have an increased risk of having progression in their macular degeneration. Doesn't mean you shouldn't eat any red meat, but it does mean that you should moderate. Uh, and more importantly, people who have a, high, a diet that's richer in green leafy vegetables and fish uh, and other substances that have omega-3 fatty acids uh, and antioxidants like carrots and oranges and uh, tomatoes uh, tend to have a decreased risk of developing macular degeneration or having it progress. A common question that I get from patients who have neovascular or wet macular degeneration is, should I be taking aspirin? Uh, because aspirin causes you, know, you to bleed easier, and neovascular age-related macular degeneration causes bleeding in the back of the eye. Um, this is something that you really need to talk with your primary care doctor about. But what we generally tell people is that aspirin is not going to make or break your macular degeneration but it could prevent you from having a heart attack. It could prevent you from having other systemic health problems. So the benefits of taking aspirin in large part seem to outweigh any risk that might be associated with having worse macular degeneration. Um, and that risk is really not clear. So we, and I strongly recommend that you talk to your family doctor or your primary care doctor or your cardiologist, because if they're telling you to take aspirin, it's probably for a good reason. And if you have good-looking eyes but a heart attack, that doesn't really do you much good. All right, so now let's talk about some treatments for macular degeneration. So as I mentioned, for wet macular degeneration, uh, the one that causes bleeding, there's some, some really good treatments that have been developed by NIH researchers and others. Um, and for the dry form of macular degeneration, we don't really have a treatment, but we have some very promising clinical trials, not only here but around the world, that are trying to develop different methods of preventing the progression of the dry disease and also reversing the vision loss even after it happens. So as I mentioned, the neovascular form or the wet form of macular degeneration is due to those blood vessels that grow. And you know, somewhere around two decades ago, some very smart investigators noticed that uh, patients who were taking a certain drug that prevented the growth of blood vessels, uh, for other reasons, they actually had cancer and they were taking a, a drug that helped prevent the growth of blood vessels for their cancer, the blood vessels in their eyes stopped growing too. And their macular degeneration got better. And so by noticing this and then studying it in more detail, they found a drug that when you inject it into the eye actually prevents the progression of macular degeneration. So it's a really a, an amazing testament to how some clinical research led to a discovery of a treatment for uh, this condition. So since that time, we've developed two drugs that are both FDA approved, that when you inject them into the eyes of patients who have this wet form of macular degeneration, it not only stops the progression, but it can actually reverse some of the vision loss. 
And these drugs are called Avastin, Lucentis, and Ilea. This is a, a graph here that basically shows when they did a large study of patients who were receiving this drug compared to patients who were receiving the previous treatment, which was a laser treatment, 95% or so of the patients who were receiving this drug did not lose any vision, which is amazing because 60%, only 60% of the people who were receiving the laser didn't lose any vision. So 30 or 40% more people were losing vision with the old treatment than with this treatment. That's a lot of people. So it was a very effective treatment. What's even more interesting is that not only did these people not, not only did these 90% not lose vision, but a significant fraction of them gained vision. You know, when you go to your eye doctor and they tell you to read the letters, they could read two lines more after they started getting this treatment, which is major because before that, even with a laser, patients were still losing vision, but they were just losing it more slowly. So it was a major, major accomplishment for a disease that 20 years ago did not really have an effective treatment. Today, we can essentially stop the wet form of macular degeneration in its tracks um, and even reverse it in some cases. All right, the story for dry macular degeneration is not as good. Uh, as I mentioned, dry macular degeneration is caused by the death of those photoreceptor cells, the cell cells that sense the light, and also by the cells that support those photoreceptor cells, which are called RPE. The only effective treatment we really have uh, is a vitamin therapy that was again developed by researchers of the National Institute of Health, which is called the ARIDS vitamin, or age-related eye disease, two vitamins. These are vitamins that have a formulation of the antioxidants that are found in the foods that I told you about. So they have the beta carotene that's found in carrots. They have the, or they did have the beta carotene. They don't have it anymore. They have vitamin C. They have vitamin E. Um, they have all these factors that the researchers have identified your eye needs to have good health, especially for this disease, macular degeneration. A lot of people ask, can I take this for another problem? We don't really know if it works for another problem. But we know if you have the early form of macular degeneration or the intermediate form of macular degeneration, and you take these vitamins, which are, by the way, over-the-counter, it can slow the progression of the disease by 20%, which is very good. So one of the other treatments that has been available for a little while is a very clever way that was found to implant a lens in the, back, in the front of the eye, a telescope of sorts. And you know when you use a telescope, it kind of focuses you and magnifies something on, on your eye. Well, people found a very clever way of implanting a telescope inside the front of the eye so that it redirects the light that comes in away from that area where the cells have died to another area where you still have some cells. Pretty clever, huh? So now you can see. Well, you can see a little bit more. But the problem is that the disease is still ongoing, right? So if those cells continue to die, then even where you redirected the light will eventually not work out very well. So this was a, a very clever and very unique treatment idea. Um, and it's still out there and it's available and you can talk to your ophthalmologist or your doctor about it. One of the problems with having any kind of surgical intervention is that once you have something like this, it's irreversible. 
And so it may disqualify you for other treatments that are coming up that actually prevent the disease itself from progressing. So that's a caveat. All right. So for dry macular degeneration, one of the most uh, important and really uh, hopeful messages that I have for you and the reason I come out to do these things is that we have a large number of, of researchers and doctors who are trying to develop new therapies. And there's clinical trials ongoing both in L.A., at USC, and around the world. Uh, and these clinical trial, trials are listed on clinicaltrials.gov. It's a government website where you can search by disease category or by university or by researcher, and you can look for you know, the disease of your interest and see if there's any clinical trials going around. It doesn't mean that it's a great clinical trial. It doesn't mean that it's going to work. It doesn't mean anything other than it's just ongoing. So again, I advise you to talk with a trusted physician um, about whether that trial is right for you, but it is a useful database uh, for you. I'm going to take the next five or ten minutes to tell you about a trial that we're doing at USC that is designed to either slow down or reverse the vision loss for patients with advanced dry macular degeneration, again, where those photoreceptor cells and the RPE cells have died. So what I have up on the screen are pictures of the back of a patient's eye. Uh, one of them is a color picture, and when you look at the color picture, it's hard to see because it's a little small, but there's areas where you can see the cells have died and the, the color of the retina is different. It's this white patch uh, rather than the normal orange patch that should be there. And what's amazing is that with the modern-day imaging techniques that we have available, we can actually look at this area, which is only about you know, uh, a tenth of a millimeter in size or less, um, and we can actually look at it in very high resolution, and we can see exactly where the cells are dying. So we can, vi and this, is, this doesn't require surgery, doesn't require injections, it doesn't require anything bad. You just put your chin on a machine, and it shines a little bit of light in your eye, and we can see exactly where the cells are dying or have died. Um, and we can see it down to this, almost the size of individual cells, which is really, really amazing. And you can see here, clearly, this area of the retina is thinner than in the normal case. And you can see this layer of cells is missing here. The bright white band that's normally present in the eye at that location is no longer present in that location. So we can clearly see where the problem is in dry age-related macular degeneration. Now, some of the clinical trials that have been ongoing um, for this condition are, again, treatments that are injected into the eye, and they are treatments that are designed to fight the infl inflammation that's occurring in the eye um, uh, and you know, slow down the progression of the disease. Um, and those studies were concluded in the last few years, and the results, um, unfortunately, have not been overwhelming, Be probably because this disease, again, is caused by multiple problems. Multiple different things are going on in the body. So just preventing inflammation doesn't seem to do the job because there's probably three or four other things that are happening. But it was very important for us to know that because without doing this clinical trial, there's no other way for us to know that. One of the more promising avenues is use of stem cell-based therapies. So no matter what's causing the problem, if the cells are gone, but we replace them, there's a pretty good chance, we think, that 
they might restore some function. So uh, there's multiple studies that have looked at different ways of making stem cells grow into the kinds of cells that you need in the back of your eye. Um, and at our group with USC in collaboration with the folks at uh, University of California, Santa Barbara, at Caltech, um, and with the California Institute of Regenerative Medicine, uh, we've been working for you know, probably over seven or eight years trying to figure out ways of developing these stem cells into the kinds of cells that are dying and then figuring out how to get those into people's eyes. And we are actually in a clinical trial right now where we're trying to do that. Um, and we're actively recruiting patients and implanting patients to see if this therapy works. Before we were doing this, other investigators, smart people all around the world, had found ways of injecting stem cells just into the center of the eye. It's not exactly where those cells are being lost, but they injected it into the eye. Uh, and they noticed that there's a little bit of benefit of just injecting regular stem cell, or just stem cells into the eye, even if they're not the exact cell type that you need. Um, but it turns out that is not very as effective as we would have liked because it's not actually dealing with the problem at its source. So you'll probably hear about that. Um, there's many different cell types. There's uh, stem cells that are derived from the uh, adults. There are stem cells that are derived from umbilical cords. There are stem cells that are derived from many different tissues in the body. Uh, and so when you hear the word stem cell, it's a very generic term. Uh, and again, it's very important that you understand what it is that is being offered and what the potential is of that to actually work. One of the sources of stem cells that we've used at USC are derived uh, from human embryonic stem cell lines that are approved for use by the US government. And we've taken those stem cells and we have made them into the retinal pigment epithelial cells that are absent in the eyes of patients with dry macular degeneration. And we've been able to grow those cells into exactly the same cell type and the same cell structure that's missing. So in macular degeneration, there's a single cell layer, one cell thick of retinal pigment epithelial cells. And essentially, you know, it's about 20 or 30 microns thick. It's very, very thick. That's 21 thousandths of a millimeter. Um, and we can actually create it, and here's what it looks like. It's, it's brown because that's the color of the pigmented epithelium, and it's about three millimeters by six millimeters large, which is the area of atrophy that you have in the back of your eye on, in general. It's not exact. Um, but the idea is that if we implant this in the back of your eye or back of who's, the patient's eye with, uh, with dry age-related macular degeneration and replace those cells in exactly the region where they're lost with exactly the cell, same cell type that is lost, there will be a good chance that we might see at least some preservation of vision, prevent the progression of the disease, and maybe even restore some of the vision. Of course, we don't know that, but that's why we're doing the trial. So here is an example of how this would work. Here is a patient with an area of atrophy this would be a surgical treatment, and we go into the eye and we actually insert that patch of cells in exactly the location where those cells are lost um, and monitor to see if there's any improvement. So as with any other form of a clinical trial, 
we don't know if clinical trials work, right? They're called experimental therapies. Um, and so I, I, again, urge you to, you know, think very hard about joining a clinical trial, or if you know people, um, you know, make sure they get good guidance and, and see, see trusted physicians. But it is extraordinarily important that patients who are suffering from this problem uh, have the chance to participate in the trials, because without their participation, uh, all of our efforts don't really count, because we will never know if the therapy works. Um, ultimately, we spend many years, decades, developing these therapies as safely as we can, trying to make sure they're not going to cause any problems, um, and trying to make sure that they have the best chance of improving the vision, or at least preventing the vision loss. But at the end of the day, every therapy that we've had really developed out in the world today, at some point, was tried by some patient who said, I'm going to try and see if it works. And so that, that decision is very individual, it's very personal, but it is 50% of the battle. Our half is 50% to develop the therapy, and the other 50% is up to you um, to decide if that's appropriate for you to try or not. So this is the phone number for USC, 1-800-USC-CARE. Um, we have clinical trial coordinators who can help talk to you about clinical trials. Um, this is the one trial that I decided to talk about today. There's other trials going on for multiple forms of vision loss. Uh, the clinicaltrials.gov website is a very useful resource again, um, and we're certainly happy to talk to you uh, and uh, answer your questions, and I know there's a question and answer session right now. So I'd like to open it up, and again, thank you to Braille Institute um, and uh, Lynn and Rocio for hosting. So bright flashing lights don't mean you have macular degeneration necessary, but it could mean that you have at least three or four different kinds of problems. And the most important thing, if you have bright flashing lights in your eye, is that you have to get it evaluated. There's no way somebody can tell you over the phone if you have bright flashing lights, you have this or that or the other thing. You actually have to go in and we have to look into your eye to see what's causing those bright flashes. But bright flashes are definitely uh, you know, abnormal and need to be evaluated. In some cases, they could be an emergency. Um, and it just depends on the individual situation of that person. So yes, uh, it's definitely worth getting evaluated by a physician. Yeah, that's, that's such a... Uh, such a pertinent question because uh, you know, we're also scared of being blind, right? It's a very scary word. So um, the age may or may not disqualify you. Every trial is a little bit different. So it just depends on what trial it is that you are trying to enroll in. And the reason it's different is because we take a lot of care in figuring out what age group is best going to be served by this experimental treatment. We don't want to do an experimental treatment in an age group where there's too much risk or not enough benefit potential. So 85 may or may not exclude you. In our particular trial, 85 is the cutoff, so you may qualify if you have the right problem. I, I just don't know. So you'd have to get evaluated. Uh, as to the question of blindness, it is a very scary word, um, and it is very, very important that you have a physician that educates you about what blindness is. When we think about blindness, sometimes people think it's just all black and see nothing. But in reality, there's very 
there's many stages, there's many degrees of vision loss. So depending on what your condition is, you know, we can really, we're very good at preventing blindness in the sense of absolute vision loss. But there's still things that we can't do. So this is one of the most important things because half of, you know, dealing with an illness is being educated about it. And you need to know what it is that you're going to face. And we know so much about these diseases. So there's no reason you shouldn't know that now. You should have somebody who can tell you, this is your problem, and this is probably how it's going to progress, and here's how often we need to see you. Um, but I can't answer that question for you individually because I don't know what your problem is. But you can have somebody evaluate you and kind of remove that fear of the unknown, of blindness, and talk about it in more concrete terms. So it's not this vague idea of complete blackness and, and really scary things. So half, you know, half that initial battle is education, and that's why it's so important for you to see an eye care provider every, every year, and if necessary, more than that. And certainly at USC, we're happy to see you if you, know, you haven't found that yet. So we can, um, well, I, the first thing I would do is call that number and talk to them specifically about your mom's situation. Um, we can definitely tell you with an evaluation whether it's wet or dry. I mean, that, no, there's no question we can do that. With an examination and, and a couple of tests, that can become pretty clear. Whether you qualify or not for the trial depends on multiple other things. Then That's why I put the number up, because um, people can talk you through that. They'll send you information about it. You can come in and talk to them about it or come in and be seen um, to talk to a doctor more about it. But I, that's the way to go, because there's too many individual nuances for me to and I don't want to tell you something wrong, but good. thank you for contributing to you know, stem cell research, too. It's really important. Do you have time for one more question? Yeah, sure. Okay. I think she's been raising her hand for a long time. Can we go up front here? I think she was actually the first person to raise her hand. All right, here we go. You have a question? Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the cell research that you talked about. Yeah. Uh, what is that about, and how... Do how, what else can you tell me about it? Because I have low vision and everything. I have everything. Sure. So there's lots of different types of stem cell research. And the, the material that I just talked about was looking at how we can use stem cells to make the type of cell that is damaged in macular degeneration and replace that for people who have the disease and have suffered vision loss. We, right now we're doing it for people who are very advanced. So if you have very advanced vision loss from that, we're, we're trying to see if it works because we don't know if it works. And the idea is people who have very advanced vision loss you know, don't, don't, don't have any other options and very little to lose. So that's where we're doing it. But I encourage you to talk with either Lynn or Rocio, get our contact information, call us, and we can talk to you more about it. Thank you Sorry. so much. Again, if we can give Dr. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much.